edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I am joined remotely. We're, we're all we're all like in the future. We're all remote today. Like no one's in the office together. But uh, I'm Joe Patrice. I am joined as per usual by my colleagues, esteemed colleagues, esteemed colleagues, uh, Catherine Rubino and Chris Williams. We're from Above the Law. We talk about the big news stories in Law of the Week. Last week's episode uh, we recorded right before some stuff happened. Uh, so now we're getting around to talking about that. So uh, what, what happened left? Yeah, it's weird, Joe. You didn't usually send around a, a list of topics that we're going to discuss. And and weirdly, it was not, you didn't send one around today. Weird. Yeah, I feel Strange. like uh, I, we have a lot of things to discuss, but they all kind of stem from the same uh I mean, the yes, same, there's only one yeah, real source. thing to talk about, right? And that's yeah. the end of end of fundamental freedoms. Oh. The Supreme Court, we have a authentic leaked opinion. Draft uh, opinion. From the yes. upcoming. First draft. But yeah, first draft of an upcoming Dobbs opinion. We don't necessarily know what's changed since the draft itself, but it we are led to believe that the the core of that that opinion is still intact and that there will be five votes to overturn Roe and Casey and effectively reverse. 50 uh, you know 48 years worth I mean of, literally uh, reverse there's no no, no effective yeah. it's not like uh, it's on it's it's you know we've listened we've talked about the upcoming Dobbs case on a couple of occasions on this podcast and my general uh, take previous to this uh, leak had been that uh, sort of the the deaths of death of a thousand cuts that sort of the uh, John Roberts worldview would hold sway with the majority of the justices and the rights that were guaranteed under Roe and Casey would be chipped away, chipped away, chipped away till they were functionally non-existent, at least in large swaths of the country. However, the Supreme Court did us one better and actually wrote down the words, therefore, we are overturning Roe and Casey, which is not what I expected. And just for the OLs and one I was listening who aren't really aware of the whole stare decisis thing and how important it is. This is so monumental that we forgot to do small talk. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, we, we definitely did. I, I, I intentionally did that as I feel we may, uh, we may not have had time to do some small talk, which is sad because I know Catherine really enjoys the sound effects. But- and another thing, like how you know that this is an important topic, Catherine didn't even interrupt Joe during the introduction. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know I'm thoroughly I'm, off my game. Uh, uh, I know the leak is like, oh, this is unprecedented. But there were two, <laughs> two things that affected yeah. the podcast. I, I mean, the thing that I will tell you, like kind of small talk wise, that actually does relate to the Dobbs decision is that I had multiple friends who are not lawyers, who are just people in the world, uh, text me on Monday, uh, last Monday when the decision got released or early on Tuesday and say, I've been I've been thinking about you. It seems like your life must suck right now because you're writing. You are you are reading this. You are writing about it. I've written mm-hmm. I don't know four or five stories about it. Whatever. Uh, and I was like, Yup, that's right. <laughs> and uh, non lawyers, women though, so their rights are affected. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I but I think that that's kind of kind of goes to it. I feel like a, most of society. I think that this kind of transcends the legal world in super fundamental ways. And I think that it, it, it's kind of impacted everything. You know, when I hung out with friends this weekend, there was very much a <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah, we're, we're kind of through the looking glass. This is really, really bad kind of a moment that that's tainted just living 
This is this mm. is bigger than any than a lot of uh, than decisions that I can remember living through. I think this will continue to have ramifications for actual people sort of lived. And, and that's the truth of the Supreme Court. And I, I think that maybe this is just kind of putting it into a sharper relief that all the cases actually impact actual people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, except for the ones that I guess they're just about businesses, in which case, who cares which billion-dollar company loses a billion dollars, right? There's still billion-dollar companies at the end of the day. But so many of these decisions are about actual people. And I think that uh, particularly in the sort of legal sphere, we can get very myopic about it and kind of like very concerned about, you know, the the inner workings, that are, how it applies in a legal sphere. We kind of can forget about the the human cost at the end of it and uh yeah there is one so i also got as a as a non-ovary owner i uh well uterus owner i don't think i I don't have ovaries either anyway i also got the similar text because because my friend was like oh this is going to be a a shitty work week for you um (laughs) but i but i was also like as time went on i was like wait this is more than just Roe. This is also if uh what's the name? Immediate talk of overturning Brown versus Board. Yep. Uh immediate talk of banning contraceptives. Yep. Um, Griswold. Griswold is on the table. I think Obergefeld uh, versus mm-hmm. Hodges is on the table. I think that uh Lawrence yep. v. Texas is on the table. Yep. Well, All, I, loving, what? loving versus loving. Virginia. Yeah. On the table. Um, on the table. And I'm like, yo, this is like <laughs> I wonder how many frat bros are like, oh, maybe we've gone too far, you know? Zero, zero. <laughs> None. So- yeah, but when, but when the, but when the jump off is like, oh, I can't get rid of the baby. <laughs> it's like, oh, now I care about women's autonomy, you know? <laughs> so let, so let's go back to that stare decisis thing. So one, one of the interesting aspects of this, I, as Chris was kind of highlighting, is that there was. There really isn't, as you read this draft, and obviously it's not a final opinion, and maybe they found some way of shoring it up, but it was interesting to me that, and I fielded some emails from some non-lawyers who were asking me to explain, you know, well, we've overturned things before, and I was like, well, not not really. In, in a lot of ways, for instance, Brown v. Board is a case where the Chief Justice's opinion goes to great lengths to kind of create here's why we are changing Plessy. And it's not because we decided Plessy was wrong, but there were arguments that hadn't been made before. We now have learned more, and this is why this changes. Like there's some uh, difference that, in the there's world. There's a dance to these sorts of opinions that to explain, you know, and you can be cynical about it or not, but to explain that, hey, things are mm-hmm. different, and that's why this is different. Uh, this opinion doesn't mm-hmm. even make an attempt No lip service. No, no lip, lip service. service. Just smooth. Yeah. We've decided we have enough votes to change the law, mm-hmm. which putting aside the your stance on the substantive issues is kind of scary because now there's not even anything kind of hedging this in. And I I understand there's kind of a critical legal studies logic of there, there was never really anything, you know, other Mm -hmm. than their ability to create a good BS argument, but at least they had to put the effort in to have a BS argument. And, and for the folks that aren't as initiated, the, the form of it is generally that yes, the Supreme court, the Supreme court's decision isn't, absolute because it's final it's you know isn't absolute it's absolute because it's final like there's no court above them but there are times where they're like they they play this idea of we are also it's not that we're changing the law it's that we're discovering what the law already was Mm. (laughs) so they're like (laughs) yeah oh it is the case that it was clear at beforehand but this is a this is a break as far as the jurisprudential approach to 
interpretive measures. The the decision to just flame on to <laughs> existing precedent was that, that's what really got me because mm-hmm. you know there 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 were ways you could craft some kind of a BS reason why it changed mm-hmm. and they showed no interest in that which uh, which settled to me that was what I took away that was mm-hmm. super scary and made me pretty confident that all these other cases that you mentioned are on the chopping block because if they don't have to craft a reason for anything, then everything's up in the air. As I explained it to uh, a non-lawyer friend of mine to kind of put it in perspective, I said, this decision reads as a giant middle finger. That's what it does. Mm, it takes yeah. all of the sort of conventions that, and the niceties that you, which for good or for bad, you still expect in these sorts of dis- monumental decisions. And it just says, nope, fuck off. Well, we have you know, the votes. I think, it's, I think it was also interesting. Let's transition so that we can uh, cover some more we had several different stories throughout the week that were tangentially related to the opinion. Let's transfer a little bit just to because, you know, Justice Alito's draft does cite some, you know, legal luminaries for his positions. Mm. Uh, and who, who did he decide? Catherine worked out who he de- uh, cited a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. There was actually a law professor who had tweeted about it. And, and I, I found that. And then a- after I kind of wrote the I wrote a trivia question about it, it kind of blew up on Twitter. Uh, but for those who are not on Twitter or who have taken a break from it because it's all awful right now, mm-hmm. which fair. Yeah. In in the case, repeatedly, uh, Alito cites Hale, who is known for a couple of legal principles, uh, English common law writer uh, and known for creating the marital rape exception. Oh. Also sentenced two women to be um, executed because they were witches. I mean, look, I... Legal luminaries. The, Legal luminaries. Obviously, the, fir- the first part is abhorrent, but I mean, we have to defend our reality from witchcraft. I mean, they, they, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know how things can get out of hand if you let witches... Well, I I don't want to spoil anything, but the most recent Marvel movie certainly makes some uh, Ex- prop- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, see. But but no, but but I mean it's really kind of stark that for the moral proposition that abortion has always been uh, illegal and should be punished, uh, which is the, the kind of the the proposition that is re- they that Alito repeatedly cites hell for repeatedly is someone who said that well, you know who we should execute is women for being witches. And also said that like capital offenses should be uh, applicable to children as young as 14. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is not the moral authority you think it is guys. Maybe, was, maybe, maybe this is not, this is not the one. Maybe this is not the one. It was just such a sloppy opinion in so many places. They, they go with this, it's longstanding been illegal, which uh, people who actually follow the history of these laws would raise an eyebrow because that isn't really true uh, because there had always been a, you know, several weeks before that it was considered illegal. He then cites all those and then says, well, see, because that's how it was at the time. And we have to stick with what the history said. And when you raise the question, well, that said that, you know, you couldn't criminalize it until at Before least 20, 20 some yeah. odd weeks. <clears throat> he says, well, I mean, but that we know better today. Uh, it, it's all about history until somebody points out that it doesn't work. And then he's like, well, but science today can tell. It's, it mm-hmm. was just so sloppy. Like I, as somebody, I, I mean, I did, wouldn't want to give him free advice, but I mean, I could come up with better ways <laughs> of trying to write this that wouldn't look nearly as absurd. But there's just no interest in that. 
this is a good time, I guess, to talk about the leak aspect of it. Uh, so that's how we're going to do this. We'll, we'll talk about the leak aspect. We'll talk about how people have reacted, which is me and Chris's story. But let's first go with the leak. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in the immediate aftermath of this, the Supreme Court is usually uh, a pretty tight-lipped organization. Draft opinions don't generally come out before the decision is reached. Is this as important as the substance of the opinion? No. Nope. But you know, the useful idiots that lawyers are, they're going to obsess over how could this possibly have happened and start talking about the leak. So let's talk about let's talk about that. Well, I mean, I also think that there's I think that the obsession with the link is also a media strategy, because the truth is that completely banning abortion is not particularly popular, despite the fact that uh, the right wing has campaigned on it for years. It's actually not very popular at all. And rather than talk about what the ramifications of overturning Roe and Casey are going to be for, for people, they're instead talking and obsessing about the leak. It's, it's, a, it's a sleight of hand and a PR trick. A brilliant yeah. one, by the way. I mean, not bad. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it it definitely did uh, did do some work. I, as a person that appreciates sophistry and rhetoric, like that is a <laughs> that is a brilliant jazz hands. Like, how do we how do we not make this about being that fifty eight percent of the people, damn near sixty percent, the majority of the country will not agree with this clear power move? Talk about breaking decorum because people love decorum, you know. And I mean, it's yeah. kind it's 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 another kind of slap in the face because the only party that has consistently broken what we consider what the norms and rules of institutions is the right, right? The whole reason that Gorsuch is even on the court is because the right wing, because Mitch McConnell decided never to even hold a vote about whether or not Merrick Garland should be on the Supreme Court. That was a radical shift in decorum and norms, but they were able to, but now, now, now rules matter. Now decorum matters because they're on the other side of it. And it's just, it's so bald faced, reprehensibly awful and- obvious yeah. what they're doing. Well, now you say they're on the other side of it, but that brings us to the question, who do we think this leaker is? Because I wow. kind of feel like it's somebody on that side. Uh, 100%. I, yeah, I, I feel as though the most popular... When I wrote, I wrote an article with some with some gambling odds uh, for who do you think it actually was, and I even said in that article that I, I really thought that Ginny Thomas was a pretty good guess, and uh, it, that has become a very popular guess since then. Whether it's her or somebody working for one of the more right-wing judges to the argument being that by putting this out there and bringing this firestorm of attention on it, it would prevent anybody from shifting their vote because it would look like they were bullied into it or something. There's some typographical evidence about that as well. I, I think you know about that, Joe. Yeah, there, uh, there was a typographic forensic expert who uh, made some observations about it. I didn't I thought it was very interesting. I didn't think it was very earth shattering because the observations were basically this was clearly scanned on a home scanner. Uh, you didn't have an automatic feeder like you can tell by the way certain things are happening, which I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that whoever did this did this at the office. So I, I'm not I didn't think that was you don't think somebody stayed late to do it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that was really telling me too much. But, you know, it was interesting. And I actually didn't know much about how typographic forensics worked. So I thought that was interesting from that perspective. But yeah, so we've since then now had more leaks coming out of the court talking about the status of the 
deliberations at all. Uh, those folks openly admitted that they were conservative sources. So if the, the if there was a taboo of any kind, it is it is beyond broken now, and everyone's just leaking all over the place. So that's that story. I, I think. I think we've been kind of editorially consistent that while a lot of people are buying into this media strategy and while we will certainly note that it exists, we are quick to say this is ridiculous. You need to focus on the substance because who really cares if we get to see a draft opinion early? It's ludicrous. I mean, that's not how any other part of government really works. Assuming it's not a national security thing, you get to see the draft bills and you get to hear hearings and uh, that's how that's how things are supposed to work. Courts should be way more transparent anyway. I still think it's funny Kentucky Brown Jackson got dragged into this shit. Well, you know, racism. Yeah, so let's talk about that one. Let's talk about that one. Yeah, so uh, so how how did she get dragged She's into black. This? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's the how, the why, the when. I was, somebody was okay, like, I was go- I don't know. Newsmax host, I this, think. Is this the, smells melanated. I, I was, yeah, I was going. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. The, the double entendre of how, I guess. I, I, when I said how did she get brought in, I was going to say by Newsmax host who brought it up. Uh, but, yeah, but the more, but the more fundamental how you have answered. Yeah, the Newsmax decided to say that the their guess on the leaker was somebody who is not even on the Supreme Court, despite the fact that she's been confirmed. She doesn't get that job until Breyer leaves. So she has no access to any of this stuff. So but you know, those darkies are sneaky. They found yeah, I, I mean, by the way, in case anybody listening, I am black. Please don't cancel ATL. So, uh, so we'll do that now. Now no, we'll transition here to kind of the reactions. But first, let's hear from our friends with Posh, and then we'll on the back end talk about some of this stuff. As a lawyer, ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call when you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting. That's where Posh comes in. We're live virtual receptionists who answer and transfer your calls, so you never miss an opportunity. And the Posh app lets you control when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Start your free trial today at Posh.com. All right. Wow, I didn't hit the sound effect for that either. We could go a whole episode without a sound effect, Catherine. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, so by what, the way, yeah. last episode, yes. that fanfare, we found yes. out immediately afterward that that was me. <laughs> which which made it which made yeah. it funnier to send my mom the episode because she listened to it afterward and I was like oh was that you Joe that was a nice quote I wonder who did that whole time the deep irony of it it was my dumbass yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, which, which is a great sign for people that I am so committed to not thinking before I speak that I don't even <laughs> recognize my own voice which I think is phenomenal actually. Yeah, our engineers uh, managed to snag that from a previous episode where you had given the fanfare. And uh, yeah, now we have it for uh, for all time. Anyway, so let's let's go back to the biggest story of the week, at least judged by pure traffic, but still related to this. I think it'll this. probably be of the year. This, I, think that, it, I think that the leak will overall, the leak will be the biggest story of the year. Well, okay, that's not what we're talking I'm about. I'm not but, tempting uh, fate. The biggest story. I will not tempt <laughs> fate. <laughs> Fine, we knock on wood, knock on wood. We got another seven months. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> the best story that we, at least by traffic uh, all, is was a discussion of a, an art- article about a law professor at a certain law school who decided to tweet out 
his speculation on the leak and said that he was speculating whether it was the quote stupid Latina. So that, extra racism. Uh, that happened. Yeah. So we got to inject a little extra racism. This was a law professor at uh, a law school. Do we do Let anybody have a guess what law school it is? I mean, I know the answer, but also I a hundred percent would have guessed ass law. Yes. So it's ass law, which is what, uh, for those who are uninitiated, that is what we call the Antonin Scalia School of Law, which was the dumbest possible branding <laughs> that George Mason gave when they took a bunch of money to name themselves after Scalia. And they decided to not even bother once to check how things uh, work <laughs> out as acronyms and made ass law. So, uh, yes, ass law professor tweets this out. There has been a statement released from the school saying that, you know, sorry, and this is unprofessional and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but don't worry, there are no, no consequences. Actual, no actual consequences. No consequences. So, you know, we, do we think that professor will do something similar in the future? Probably. Well, it has done in the past. We found exactly. several tweets, many of which have been deleted since I found them. Uh, mm, but sus. many tweets with uh, some s suspicious behavior. Yeah. I will say a callback to a prior uh, episode. I remember we were talking about uh, the significance of uh, still covering Amy Wax. Mm -hmm. um, and Catherine was like, oh, when you look at schools, you will see there. Uh, you see the professors were talking about. I think one of my responses was, well, there are still schools where the professors will have racist thoughts. They're just not saying this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, th I'm just thinking of the poor soul. And I was like, oh, I got accepted to Penn, but they're racist. I'll just go to somewhere neutral like ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So uh, this, is, uh, uh, this has been an interesting story. I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of former students from George Mason and you know, I haven't necessarily written these stories because a lot of them are just one source, like not corroboratable. But I will say that they've been very uniform in saying, oh, and you don't know the half of it. Uh, here's other <laughs> things this particular professor did in school. Uh, so it, it seems like it's a longstanding problem. And this is just what happens when you build a school around around the uh, guy who said that African-Americans deserve have to go to lower track schools, right? Like if that's the person you've decided to honor with the name, uh, you're gonna you're gonna invite a faculty that will do all this sort of stuff. Joe, yeah. Joe, but his legal writing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, he used the word argle bargle. So mm -hmm. he's I, I will say regardless of the guy's opinions, the, I have sprinkled in the use of the phrase pure applesauce. Yeah, that was, nice. that was, that was hilarious. <laughs> I will give credit where credit is due. We did a story several years ago that got some level of virality. I think it was after the Argyle Bargle, uh, where we just yeah. kind of said uh, we, we created a contest to create the most Dr. Seuss-ish Antonin Scalia comment. Scalia children's, comment. Yeah, children's uh, books yeah. Uh, slash Antonin yeah. Scalia. That was yeah. fun. That was fun. Well, we'll see if we can dig that up. Uh, anyway, so the so that's what was going on with law professors. Uh, so they were they were out causing trouble, but there were also some state legislators out causing trouble, which brings us to Chris's story. Yeah, so I think the gist of my story was uh, along the lines with Catherine saying like this opinion was a, a giant middle finger um, as far as but but this one but this referred to I think something Louisiana is passing that's piggybacking off of this. Uh, this overturning of precedent, well, of stare decisis. And they're basically trying to make abortion a homicide crime. 
Mm-hmm. But it's but like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, wait, what? Because their argument, <laughs> their argument is that life starts at conception, right? Mm-hmm. And I think would would that would that also? Wait, no, I'm I'm just trying to think like if this might go further than just uh, abortions that it will cover, like any anything that would lead to. Anyway, it's bad. It's bad. But the thing that I talked about was like in the in the discussion of the law, there was a clear reference to God. And I'm like, what happened to separations of uh, church and state? Like even back to this, the appearance of maintaining, you know, neutrality. And the uh, this this weekend, I ended. I just listen, I went back to just listen to a bunch of Spinoza lectures because that's the type of nerd I am. And okay, there's this line in Spinoza. It's like, what is it that makes people fight for their own subjection as if it was their salvation? Because if we're going to think about like theological bases for the law being the case, I'm like, well, what do what are other what are other folks who write in the theological vein thinking about? And that's just the things I've been thinking about this weekend. Yeah, and this law that does have a bunch of religious overt religious mentions in the text. Uh, it also, if I recall, and this is where Catherine, you've been tracking this a little bit better than me. It also would ban certain procedures that are straight up medical procedures, right? This is the one that would that would bar the ectopic pregnancies, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, there's not a lot of care for the impact on women and people with uteruses overall health when they're creating these laws. So this is wildly unsurprising. Yeah, I think that we're going to continue to see all sorts of necessary medical care being um, criminalized in the future. And yeah, it's only going to continue. The other sort of ramification that a lot of states are, or some states at least are talking about are travel bans so that people who want to leave the state in order to uh, get that medical care are potentially, um, will potentially be banned. Uh, Missouri has already considered a um, similar mechanism to the SB8 Texas law where uh, uh, everyone is just uh, allowed to sue if they believe they have information that somebody might have left the state uh, to get an abortion, uh, while the original version was did not have enough votes, um, now that uh, Roe is overturned, they're rumored to be considering it again. Tennessee, I believe, has just been, uh, banned Plan B, uh, receiving Plan B over through the mail, which, you know, if you are already pregnant, Plan B doesn't really do anything. Um, it pre- might prevent the implantation of an egg into a uterine lining, but if it's already, if you're already pregnant and has already been implanted, it won't do anything. But doesn't matter, apparently, in Tennessee. Yeah, I think we're, I think that, you know, we're going to continue to see states trying to extend their reach beyond their borders in a way that makes their the sort of previous calls of states' rights makes them the farce that we always knew that they were. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see states trying to expand their reach and make sure that it's virtually impossible for folks uh, who live in those states to get the care that they need. Yeah, they, and this was this was one of your articles uh, this last week about how the, there's now going to be a push to go after to create travel ban, bans, basically to bar people from going to another state for these procedures. Which, yeah, as you said, the quasi justification of this is that it's a matter for the states to decide, and you know your state could decide to legalize it or not and whatever. But you know, since since at least the conversation over Dred Scott, we've we've agreed that you can go to other states and abide by their laws and that your laws don't follow you to that other state. This would be a direct assault on that logic. So, you know, 
if we if we had to but again, throw yet another horrible precedent that could be back because of the yeah. way this court is operating there you go yeah not not particularly surprising is is how it it comes out and you know even there's also been a lot of political talk about companies that have said that they will pay for their you know national companies that have, you know, locations in many different states. Some of them have said, you know, if uh, one of our employees needs medical care in another state that they can't get at their current state, they will pay for the travel and housing and and all the associated costs for it. There's also been talk about sort of retaliating against the companies that are doing that. Yeah. So there's no real end to uh, the awfulness that this, if this decision, which we have every reason to believe will be as awful as the draft version if that is the law there's no end to how terrible it will get yeah i just think it's super interesting that the party that whose bread and butter is talking about like the left is uh the instantiation of mob rule they're just this is just straight up kind of majoritarian problem yeah uh, yep. this is this is uh either minority or religious minority controlling the lives of the majority and they're able to still play victim I think yep. it's I think it's wild. Yeah, it is amazing how you can have yeah. everything and still play victim. Yeah. It, because 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 what is it? I mean, even when it comes to just like laws, like law schools, there's all this talk of oh, there are nothing but liberal um, liberal rising grounds. Or you can't you can't say anything. But it's like what what's happening? Like it doesn't look like the left is taking over. If you look at what's happening politically, yeah, because we are much closer to mandating prayer in school than we are to free health care and universal base income. That's all I'm saying. I think Correct. that's probably true. And with that, so let's uh, be done. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You should be subscribed to the show. Uh, give it reviews, stars, write something. It all helps out. You can check out some other shows that we're on. Catherine's the host of The Jabo. I'm a panelist on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable. You should check out the other offerings of the Legal Talk Network. As always, read above the law. That way you get to catch up on all these stories and more as they're happening before uh, before we run them down on the weekly show. You should be following us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, that numeral one there at the end. Chris is at Rights for Rent. And with all of that, thanks to Posh for hosting. And I think that's... Peace. Or not hosting, for, for sponsoring. That's what I meant to say. Whatever. We're the anyway. hosts. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. We'll we couldn't you. we couldn't host without them. That's yeah, true. That's true. That's true. And and we did it. No 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 sound effects. Crazy. All right. Peace. Till next week. <laughs>